Hello and welcome to UWO Now. I'm your host, Wendell Ray. Thanks for joining us for another conversation with a member of our UWO community. Let me present a scenario for you. Have you ever been walking down a street or a hallway and it's just you and another person and you get close enough to where you think you're about to say hello and they pull up their phone? Or you get on an elevator and everybody pulls out their phone and looks at their phone instead of acknowledging you. Or even worse, you're in a private conversation with someone else or a group of people and someone pulls out the phone or is watching their notifications. Well, if you don't know what fubbing is, we'll explain that a little later with our guest today, Ryan Allred, who is associate professor in the communications department at the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. Thanks so much for joining us here today, uh, Dr. Allred. Good to see you, and thanks for coming by and explaining some things to us. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation. I, that scenario you just described is so common, and I think it's important to talk about how we can make those connections just more meaningful, even if they're short connections. So I'm excited to have this conversation today. Tell us about your research. Uh, before we get into the specifics of the scenario I talked about, which is maddening to me and frustrating, <laughs> Um, but tell us about, you know, uh, your research and where, where it focuses on. Yeah, so I am a communication studies scholar. My specific area is I look at how to make close, intimate connections through communication with individuals. Uh, so really, my focus area is I look at things that stop individuals from connecting with other people. So things that inhibit communication. Okay. I think there's a lot of times when we want to say something, but either we're too afraid or we don't know how to say it, or there's something physically stopping us from saying it that uh. stops us from having these connections. So sort of what you were talking about, when I get on the elevator, I might see somebody who has nice shoes and I want to compliment their shoes, but they're on their phone. And so I feel like I'm interrupting if I say anything. And so I'm going to be inhibited from communicating because their phone was out. So really what I look at is anything that inhibits people from communicating and making close connections. And when did you first realize that the cell phone was one of those things that is inhibiting that type of communication. Yeah, so for me, it was personal experience. I, I grew up in the era where we had those flip phones. Remember yeah, the Razor sure. flip phones? That was my high school generation. And I had one evening where I went with a group of friends to play basketball, and everybody brought their new Razor flip phone. <laughs> and there was a point where I was the only one playing basketball. Everybody else was on the sidelines, on their phones, texting. And it, they were making connections with people who weren't there. And that's a good thing. It's good to make connections with people who aren't present. But they were missing out on really important connections with the people that were right in front of them. Right. And so I realized we're, we're missing out on something. It's not, not that the phones are, are bad themselves, but the way we're using the phones is really hurting our, way, our ability to make these connections. And so what did your study reveal to you? And where did you start studying? Yeah, so I started studying looking at what we call the mere presence hypothesis. And this is sort of interesting. And one of the things I love about having this conversation is we're still learning. We're still trying to figure out how technology works. Okay. It's, it's a new thing, right? This, our phones in the last 20 years really have become ubiquitous. But 20 years ago, they weren't. We, we really never saw them. So we're learning how phones are affecting us. So I started out with what we call the mere presence hypothesis, which argued that merely having a phone visible during a conversation hurt the conversation. And that was true for several years, where if I pulled out my phone during a conversation, my conversation partners felt neglected. Maybe they felt like I uh, was putting more importance on the phone than I was on them. And we saw that it was hurting conversation satisfaction. It was making it so that people didn't remember what they talked about as well. Uh, it made it so people felt less intimate with their conversation partners. But what we saw over the years, as phones became more and more common, is that effect sort of went away 
where having a mm. phone out no longer affected conversations directly because people just got used to it. I think, I think what happened is people realized I have my phone out during the conversation, so I can't really be mad when you have your phone out during the conversation. Okay, I was going to say, did people get used to it or did they just throw their hands up and say, okay, uh, it is what it is. Yeah. But you're saying it was, well... I'm guilty of that as well, so maybe I shouldn't complain. I think that's a lot of it. And I don't think that just because people are saying they're no longer affected by it, I don't think that necessarily means that they're not affected by it. Mm -hmm. I think there's still some part of us when we see someone pull out their phone during a conversation that feels a little bit, okay, well, I'm not the top priority right now. Yeah. Uh, it's a hard to measure that. Though. Well, it's not just feeling. It, yeah, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because if somebody, if you're talking to somebody, if I'm talking to you and we're having this conversation and I just go, well, wait a minute, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> then I, clearly I, I feel it's okay to kind of tune you out for a second. Mm -hmm. Is, am I right or am I wrong? Oh, absolutely. So we have this thing we study in communication. We call it immediacy. Immediacy is our nonverbal communication that shows that our mental capacity is focused on the conversation. All right. So it might be eye contact, head nods, body mm -hmm. tilt. Imagine we're having this conversation and I completely just turn and look the other direction. <laughs> you're, you're not going to feel like I'm like paying attention to you. <laughs> right, exactly. But we're doing that with our phones. Okay. We're losing these immediate behaviors, these nonverbal cues that show the other person we're engaging. And immediacy is really important because good communication is getting to where my thoughts and your thoughts are similar. And if we don't even have a nonverbal connection where I can tell that your attention is on me, we're never going to get to where we have a similar location for those thoughts. Mm. So it's harder to have real intimate communication when we don't have these nonverbal immediacy cues. Okay, so I think I understand what you're saying, that it's breaking down at some level the ability to connect. Mm -hmm. Is that what we're saying with, with that uh, what's coming from your research? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, you think about you learning how to communicate when you were a kid. You had to learn, okay, I need to have eye contact. Even though it's scary, I need to look at the person. Yeah, right? people, or yeah, you remember those lessons when we say, hey, look at me when I'm talking yeah. to you. Or how to do, have a good handshake, yeah, right? right? We yeah. learn these lessons even though that they're uncomfortable for us. Mm -hmm. The problem is holding onto my phone breaks down those things, right? I can't have eye contact with you while I'm also looking at my phone. Right. I can't give you a good handshake if my hand is full of my phone. Yeah, absolutely. So you're talking about uh, lessons learned, you know, early in life and how that might uh, impact the way you communicate. And then we're talking about cell phones, which is, a, you know, it's been they've been around for a while. But certainly the use of cell phones um, uh, and their importance in our lives, uh, some may think it's generational. Is it, though? I mean, because... I'm not sure if I'm seeing a difference, but maybe the research points otherwise. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Where we, at, at first we saw a generational difference and likely because younger generations are quicker to adapt to new technologies. But now that pretty much everybody has adapted these technologies, we're seeing a lot of those effects go away. In fact, I have been fubbed by grandparents before, right? <laughs> right, so, so the idea that this is a young person's uh, problem, <laughs> right? Oh no. So the idea that this is a young person's problem is just not accurate anymore. The, the real issue right now is all of us have this tension, we call it a dialectical tension, between two opposing but good things, right? I have one tension. When I get a text message from somebody, I feel the need to respond to them quickly because I want to show them I care about them. But at the same time, if I pull out my phone, then we have this whole issue we've been talking about this whole time. So I have this tension of wanting to be close to you, but also wanting to be close to others. So what phones have done is they've introduced this new tension uh, between 
being present physically and being present physically. And that's what we call absent presence. We're seeing a lot of people develop absent presence where I'm physically present in a situation, but mentally I'm absent. I'm somewhere else. And we're just really struggling, I think, as a society as a whole. I wouldn't even say it's a generational thing anymore. We're trying to figure out how can I uh, manage these two seemingly opposite tensions in my life. Okay. So you've been studying this for about how long, would you say? So it's been about 12 years now that I've been studying this. What have you seen or what can you say as a result of this field of study? What have... What kind of conclusions can we make about how we're communicating with each other and how it's deteriorated or the ill effects of fubbing, yeah. uh, so to speak? And let's define that for our audience. As well. uh, absolutely. Uh, so before, before we get into the actual definition, I do want to say this. For, for 12 years, the word that comes to mind when I see overall how trends are going is hope, actually. Okay. When I first started studying phones, my students said, no, it's not a problem, not a big deal at all. Whereas now my younger, younger generations, they're coming in, they're saying, yes, it's an issue. Let's figure out how to use it more appropriately. So I actually have hope okay. that as a society, we're going to figure it out. So in about 2016, once we realized the mere presence hypothesis was no longer accurate, we shifted to this new concept we call fubbing. So it's P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, fubbing. It's a portmanteau or a combination of two words, phone and snubbing. So snubbing is a word that we don't use as often anymore. Snubbing sort of means to set aside or to yeah. show that it's less important to mm -hmm. something, right? So we are phone snubbing. In other words, we are snubbing people by focusing on our phones instead of them during the conversation. Okay. How does, so from, uh, uh, um, I guess you, you mentioned earlier that how that makes a person feel. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that, so, I mean, any evidence that there's some long-term effects as a result of that repeated snubbing, uh, fubbing? Mm -hmm. There are huge effects. So specifically what I look at is how does it affect the relationship? Um, and then how does it affect individuals later on? So here's a good example. Uh, a couple of years ago, we studied how parents using their phones around the children or parents fubbing their children affects the child's self-development. So the initial thing, and I don't think this is going to be surprising to anybody, we saw that the more parents use their phones around the kids, the more children felt rejected mm. by their parents. That's huge. Think about, think about feeling rejected by your parents, how that's gonna shape everything else in your life. There's whole theories on how rejection in parental relationships affects childhood. One of the biggest thing, ways that it affects children is it creates what we call rejection sensitivity. Rejection sensitivity is uh, an internal trait that causes the individual to to look for signs of rejection, even when others are not trying to reject them. And so these, these young children that, we, that grew up in homes where their parents were using their phones all the time, what we're seeing is that they are growing up looking for signs that other people are rejecting them. And you're gonna find what you look for in the world. That's just reality, you find what you're looking for. And so when they go hang out with their friends and their friend does something that might be perceived as rejection, even though it wasn't intended as rejection, they're gonna interpret it as rejection and they're gonna leave feeling like they weren't included in that party. Wow, so it can have effects that maybe we're not even, well, until you just mentioned it, aware of down the line and causing issues that uh, can be quite profound for people. <laughs> so that, that's interesting. You're listening to uh, UWO Now. I'm your host, Wendell Ray, and we're talking about the effects cell phones have on interpersonal communication with Ryan Allred, Associate Professor of Communication Studies at UWO.
so this whole th- now that would seem obvious to me who is a parent as well that you wouldn't want to um be on your phone when you're trying to have a conversation with your child but is it just when you're in conversation or is it just having that phone present and watching notifications responding to mm-hmm. uh, a text maybe every now and then or looking at your news feed whatever it might be uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to be something as abrupt as you're talking to me and then I look away or am I correct? Well, you're, you're highlighting one of the difficult aspects of this new technology and that is perception is what matters here. So if your child perceives that you are giving the phone more, more attention or more value than you're giving the child, then it becomes problematic. So here's why, here's why it's difficult. All of us are to some degree naive scientists. Right? We may not have a science degree, but all of us try to constantly figure out why people are doing things and how, how the world works. So anytime we see anybody do anything, our mind quickly jumps to creating a reason for why that was done. Right? And so you might be on your phone planning a Disneyland trip for your children, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but your child sees the phone and their immediate jump to, we call this the fundamental attribution error. We tend to, when we make assumptions about why somebody does something, we tend to assume it's an internal trait rather than because of the situation. Now, that's not always the case, right? Sometimes we do things because the situation requires it. But our natural tendency tendency is to judge people and to think they're doing it because of an internal trait. But so because tra- of my internal trait or your internal trait? Because of your internal trait. Okay. Right? So if I'm your child and I see you on your phone, I'm going to think it's because you are rude. Okay. Right? Because you care more about that than you care about me. Right? I'm going to make internal judgments. Rather than situation, the situation is you're planning a trip to Disneyland for me. Yeah. But as a kid, because I can't see what's in your mind, my natural tendency is to make an internal judgment. So I think this is because you care about your phone more than you care about me. And so this is where the key, and I hope we can talk about this more towards the end too, because it's a highlighted point. You have to learn to communicate what your intentions are. Right? And this goes mm. for parental child relationships, for romantic relationships. You have to be able to sit down with your partner and say, Here's what it means when I'm on my phone at this time, right? Here's what I'm doing to make sure that the other person can accurately understand what your intention is. Okay. Uh, Well, you just mentioned one thing. We talked about parent-child interactions uh, and phones. What about uh, the interactions between uh, couples, Mm -hmm. uh, husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, or partners? What, What is the effect the same? It's very similar. Uh, a large part of it is intimacy. So having the more we use our phones, the less likely we are to have intimacy in that particular relationship. Again, depending on how we're using them, right? If, I'm, if I am on a trip and I'm using my phone to text my partner, that's a great way to use the phone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Or maybe together as we're sitting down, we're looking up interesting facts and we're learning together on our phones. That's a great way to use it. But any exclusionary behavior where I'm using my phone in exclusion of my partner, is it going to create those same feelings of rejection um, and and that void of intimacy within the relationships? Is it helpful? Have or I don't know if it's been known or been discovered. It and I think you kind of alluded to this just a second ago. That I say, okay, I'm getting on the phone. I'm getting ready to do. This. I'm about to do this. This is why I'm getting on the phone. It's not because I'm not paying attention to you, but you just mentioned this subject. Let me see if I can find an answer on my phone for you or something like that. Absolutely. So Dr. Miller and Kelly are the two who have done a lot of the work in, on fubbing in romantic relationships. And the key thing that they keep coming back to is it's about expectations. 
if my partner is on their phone when I expect them to not be on their phone, then it's gonna create large emotions in me that cause me to feel frustrated and maybe rejected. If they're on their phone when I expect them to be on their phone, that's not gonna be an issue for me. And so what you're doing there by saying, hey, I've gotta, I've gotta answer this message real quick, or excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do this, but I, this is my mom calling. What you're doing is you're setting the expectation and allowing them to have more appropriate emotions for the situation. So if I just go on my phone without explaining it, they're, they're not gonna understand the expectation and they're gonna leave frustrated. So we, I mean, that's true in any situation. Anytime we have an expectation and it's not met, we have negative emotions. And so helping your partner to set the expectation. Look, when we watch movies together, I don't care if you're on your phone. Like we're just watching a movie. But when we sit down at dinner, I want us to put away our phones so that we can focus on each other and we can really get to know each other. Hmm, okay. You're listening to UWO Now. I'm your host, Wendell Ray. And today we're talking about the effects cell phones and other things have on our interpersonal communication with Ryan Allred, Associate Professor of Communication Studies at UWO. We were talking about cell phones and we'll continue that uh, discussion about how cell phones have uh, played, uh, how people tend to focus on their cell phones more when uh, they're uh, in conversations with other, around other people. Uh, but it's not always necessarily, one, a person that you're familiar with. You talked mm-hmm. about, uh, Dr. Allred, when we first started, that, you know, an example of something um, that has inhibited communication is um, when you want to pay a compliment to or talk to a stranger. Uh, or the, the examples I gave at the beginning were not of people that I knew, but of people I don't know that I wanted to just say hello to or just, you know, acknowledge their presence. What has been, do you think, the impact on communication, not with loved ones, children, but also with people we don't know? And how has that been affected by uh, phones? And we could also talk about uh, masks during Mm -hmm. COVID. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody who didn't wish that we had more social community, that we were connecting with others. All of us have two basic needs, the desire to be loved and the desire to give love. And and one of the things that we're seeing is phones are taking away a lot of opportunities to do those things. So a really cool study they did several years ago, they sent an individual through a grocery store. This is a, we, we all have experience going to grocery stores and running into people. And they had this person randomly smile at people throughout the grocery store. And then they send a second person through and they would drop a gallon of milk or something on the floor. And what they found is that people who were smiled at were something like 95% more likely to help the second person pick up mm. the, the jug of milk, right? So when people smile at us, we feel like we're part of something bigger than us and it makes us want to contribute more to that thing, whatever it is. And so in this case, community. So one of the reasons why phones are problematic, if I'm on my phone, I'm looking down like this, I'm gonna miss out on opportunities to connect with other people, even if it's just eye contact with somebody passing by, to feel like there's something bigger going on than just me. And we can, and if, if this might be a good time to shift into looking at how phones affect anxiety and depression and other things, because if I'm missing out on opportunities to make connections with other people, all of a sudden my world becomes only my mind. The world sort of becomes smaller in a sense, which makes it feel heavier, mm. makes it feel harder for me to manage it if I feel like I have to do it on my own. I do want to talk about that, but uh, I, I, I want to also share with our audience something uh, I, we sh- I shared uh, off mic with you, and that was a recent um, interaction I had with someone. I was walking outside the building, a building here on campus, and 
there was someone walking toward me, and I was determined to make sure that this person uh, acknowledged me. Um, you know, just by nod. I wasn't expecting them to stop and have a conversation with mm-hmm. me, but you know, you sometimes you you give someone a nod or a smile, as you mentioned, and they don't re- reciprocate or they act like you're not there, or they bring out their phone. Well, it's wintertime, so most people aren't bringing out phones. Mm -hmm. But I'm wondering if my reaction, not theirs, and what I anticipated the reaction, my reaction was kind of being conditioned to uh, having felt rejection in other instances, and I was determined for that not to happen Mm -hmm. this time. And so I was going to force this person by just making constant eye contact until they said something. Any, am I am I digging a little deep here, or or, or, or what do you think about that? No, I, I think you're right on it, and I I would I, I don't know you super well, but I would argue there's probably also some motivation for the other person, some care about the other person, right? Yeah. A little, there's a human being walking by me. Yeah. I should check in on them, even if it's just a smile or head nod, just just a quick check in with this person, right? And so yeah, there's a little bit of the I've been rejected a lot in the past, and I that doesn't feel good for me. So yeah, I'd like you to acknowledge me as a human person. But also, I feel the need to acknowledge you as a human. You're, you're a person, and it doesn't take a lot of effort to just smile at someone real quick. And smiling and knowing that someone is smiling at you was affected during COVID when we were all wearing masks. What have we learned about this little inhibitor to uh, interpersonal communication? Yeah, so uh, masks are similar to phones in that they hurt our nonverbal immediacy. They made it difficult for us to connect. We saw it huge in the classroom. So we just did a recent study where we looked at teachers who wore masks versus teachers who wore the face shields where the students could still see them. And we found that where there were masks, the students felt like the teacher didn't care about them as much. They didn't connect as much with the teacher. Their grades were lower in those classrooms because they didn't feel like I have somebody who can support me. And so wearing a mask was hard because it limited our ability to feel support from one another. Now, I'm not, I'm, this is not an argument for not wearing masks. No, no, no. But it's an argument for we need to do extra to show that we care about people if they can't see our faces. I wonder if we got into some sort of habits during COVID uh, that we are trying to shake or have not shaken. Yeah. Any uh, evidence, uh, any studies on, on that that you're aware of? You know, I, I haven't seen anything on that, but I, I, we do get comfortable. Right? And once we get used to not doing something for a while, then it's easy for us to stop doing it altogether. Yep. Okay. So we've been touching on it a little bit, and I've been talking about maybe I was feeling uh, rejection, uh, and it had built up to the point where I internally had decided I wasn't going to take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about uh, um, the mental health aspects of um, fubbing, mm-hmm. is what we started off with, but anything that inhibits that type of... Uh, interpersonal communication with a stranger or with a loved one. What have we discovered about that? Yeah, so there are two undeniable connections. We see that the amount of time we spend on our phones is correlated with anxiety and depression. Now, what we don't know for sure yet is how much the direction is going one way or the other. What we think is happening is that they're going both directions, right? So the more I have anxiety, the more likely I am to pull out and be on my phone. But we're also fairly confident that the more we're on our phone, the more likely we are to experience anxiety. And the same thing goes with depression. So we're seeing just a strong connection with the amount of time we're spending on technology and these anxiety and depression uh, outcome variables. Hmm. And the amount of time. Mm -hmm. That's general statement. How much time are we talking about? What what is uh, too much time? 
So I, I think that's where it's gonna get a little bit individualized. But what I tend to look at is when it becomes uh, addictive, so in the sense that I want to spend less time on my phone, but I'm unable to do so. And so when I find that my phone usage is inhibiting me from eating healthy meals, from getting the amount of sleep that I should have, from communicating with other people in the real world, uh, if it's stopping me from doing things that I sh know I should be doing, or if I have tried to reduce the amount of phone usage and I'm not able to, then that would be what we call phone addiction. Okay, we'll talk a little bit about uh, uh, how to improve these things uh, after we've kind of touched on a few more areas. Uh, what about boredom uh, and, and the impact? You know, people get on their phones, they play a game, they do this or that. Uh, to uh, What about the impact of, of boredom and the use of phones and how that impacts communication. And, and this is why I think this connection is so interesting because most people I talk to, when I ask them, why did you go on your phone in this situation? They said, either I was bored or I was feeling anxious and I pulled it out as a crutch, right? Or I was feeling a lot of depression and I pulled it out. But we're seeing that the phone also increases boredom just as much as the other two. Increases boredom. Increases boredom. So when we take two groups of people and we send them out to dinner together and we say, we're gonna take away all your phones from the one group and we let the others keep their phones, and then afterwards we ask them how boring the conversation was, the group with the phones always rates it as more boring. Mm. I right, think about why that is. If I'm on my phone during a conversation and I'm seeing my friend Tony down the hall out on his vacation, right? And I'm trying to realize, well, I'm just at dinner with my friends. That's boring compared to Tony's vacation, yeah. right? It also, if I'm on my phone, it's taking away my ability to put effort into this conversation. And so of course the conversation is gonna be more boring if I don't put effort into figuring out what would be a good conversation to talk about. Ah, I see. Okay, then that makes sense. Okay, so Dr. Allred, not only do we have uh, all these problems uh, that we're still studying, I would imagine at the same time we're trying to figure out how do we correct some behaviors or what we do to minimize all these obstacles that are getting in the way of interpersonal communication. What suggestions do we have for people out there listening or watching uh, who say, maybe I've got this problem or how can I help with my child and me or my wife and I or my partner and I, how, what suggestions would you have? The first step is to identify a phone for what it really is. I don't know if you've ever done any woodworking or worked with a saw before. Mm -hmm. Saws are awesome tools. But and when I go home and I go into my shop and I use my saw, I have to have a lot of respect for my saw. Not respect to where I need to be afraid of it, but respect to know what damage it can do if I use it inappropriately. And if I use it well, I can create awesome things with it. If I use it poorly, I can hurt myself really badly. Right. Same thing with our phone. Our phone is a tool. And if we use it as a tool, it can do awesome things for us. If we instead don't respect it and allow it to control us, it can really hurt us. So a couple of things that we are, are working on right now to help individuals improve their relationship with their phone is first to practice mindfulness. So mindfulness is where you are present in the moment, particularly with phone usage. So our tendency right now is when our, we hear a buzz or when we're bored, we pull out our phone. My suggestion is to instead, every time before you lock, unlock your phone, to think through what am I going to do on my phone and how long is it going to take me? And that simple practice of recognizing, okay, I'm gonna go on Facebook for five minutes and then after five minutes, I'm gonna shut it down. That simple practice of knowing what you're going to do is gonna help you take control of it as a tool rather than being controlled by it. Mm -hmm. So that's the first suggestion is to be mindful in how you're using your phones. The second thing would be to be uh, particular about which apps you allow on your phone itself. 
Uh, I used to have Facebook or Instagram on my phone. And these are, they're great social mediums. They're great tools to have. But I find, I found that I would mindlessly scroll on them if I had them on my phone. I still use them, but I just now use them on my desktop when I have to sit down and know what I'm doing while I'm using it. Hmm. So any app that I found, I was just wasting a lot of time on. I take it off of my phone and I put it somewhere where I have to be a little bit more particular while I'm using it. A- an app that is not essential <laughs> to your daily life. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so uh, be mindful uh, and be aware of apps that you've got on your phone that really are just about mm, wasting time, mm-hmm. right? I exactly. guess, or not necessarily essential to um, what I'm trying to get done today. Right. And, contributing to my life in a right. positive way. Yeah, and we're not saying those are bad apps. No, we're just, not at all. How we're using them is problematic. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Yeah, and then the, the in terms of relationships, this is really big. We need to engage in more of what we call meta-communication or communication about how we communicate. We need to sit down with our partners or our children or our friends, and we need to talk to them about the way that we communicate with one another and set clear expectations. Let them know when it is appropriate to be on a phone, when it's not appropriate. Let them know how you feel when they're on their phone. We just need to, we need, right now it's a taboo topic. We're not comfortable talking about it for whatever reason, and it's hurting our relationships. So we need to just sit down early on in relationships, sit down and say, okay, what is, what is your expectation for when I can be on my phone and when I can't? What is your expectation for, uh, or how does, it, how does it make you feel when I'm on my phone? How can I change that because I really need to be on my phone? So having those conversations is really important. A phone can be like a third person in your relationship. Yeah. Uh, now you're competing with time with another person and not necessarily somebody having an affair, but you're now you're, you're giving more attention to uh, this phone than to me, which makes leads me into another area. Um, and that is we're talking about people who may uh, you're giving suggestions to people uh, uh, to all of us to how to minimize the effects of phone usage and how it uh, inhibits interpersonal communication. What if I can't? What if I'm really struggling with that? What if I have an addiction? Mm-hmm. Is that possible uh, to the use of my phone and it's become more than just my phone? Absolutely. Uh, so, so currently the, the uh, government has not quite listed that as one of the <clears throat> DSM-5 or the, main, the top main addictions. Uh, but it, categorically how we're looking at it, how we're studying it, it, it is an addiction. Uh, so yeah, this is something that you could definitely talk to a therapist about. Talk to a counselor, get, get help with there. Uh, even talking to, again, talking to your romantic partner, letting them know this is an issue and you're trying to work on it. Absolutely. There are also apps out there that are very useful. Um, so one of the reasons why we tend to get addicted to something is we don't really understand how it's affecting us. So, so download an app that controls your screen time or at least shows you the screen time and helps you to understand how it's affecting your life. Uh, maybe ask, ask a friend to, to download a parental controls app for you to help you to figure out how, how to more effectively manage it. Um, maybe look at finding a different type of device uh, that's one that maybe doesn't have the capacities that you're addicted to. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of options out there. I think for individuals, you'll have to figure out the best way to do that. Um, but, but know that you're not alone. We're as a generation, as a society right now, we're struggling with this and we're, we're going to figure it out. But you also said at the beginning that your students now acknowledging that there is an issue makes you feel that there's hope f- for us all. I, I do. I, th- I think we are more and more going to figure out, yes, these are awesome tools. Here are the guidelines for using them in a healthy way. And I think those are going to become more explicit as we go. Uh, and, and technology is going to continue to bless us rather than hinder us. Okay. Thanks so much, uh, Dr. Allred, for coming by and talking to us today. It's been really in, enlightening. It's, I think it's a subject matter that we can all relate to mm-hmm. because 
well, as you said, cell phones are ubiquitous, and now people have cell phones and are using them for many more things, more than just talking and calling someone. So thanks very much for coming in by and talking to us today about it on UWO Now. Love it. Thanks. Okay, that's all the time we're going to have on UWO Now today. Thanks so much for listening. Remember to catch the latest episode of UWO Now. You can go to the university's YouTube page and watch today's episode. You can also go to wrst.org and see today's episode as well. It's also going to be available uh, on all platforms. And you can see past episodes as well. Thanks so much for listening. That's all the time we got today. Have a good day.